Thank you for downloading another Impossible Podcast. My name's PG Bell. I'm Sweden Dobson. I'm Gwen Williams. I'm Annabelle. Well, it's back at long last. Series 6B of Doctor Who returns with Let's Kill Hitler. There's been an awful lot of build-up to this. Our own Caleb Woodbridge, of course, saw it before we did, but he's not here this week. So uh, we all came to this fresh last night on Saturday. Guys, what did we think? Swithin, you first. Um, I have to say I was disappointed. There were things I liked. Um, the opening sequence with the crop circles is quite amusing. There's a few mm-hmm. funny lines in there. Um, Matt Smith is very good. Mm-hmm as he generally is, although there is a central problem with the entire episode. Which is? Which is, it's clear that the Doctor cannot die in any meaningful sense in this episode because they set the series up for the fact he actually died. Mm. He clearly isn't, and I don't care. <laughs> and it, it completely dissolves any tension that there could be in this episode, and it's just dissolved mm. into a grey, mushy pile. Mm. What expectations did you have coming into it? Um, I don't know. I naively possible Hitler might have been there a bit more. He could have been a, mm-hmm. been a bit more menacing and a bit more interesting. I don't know. I, I just didn't expect it to be the. I probably should have done kind of the River Song Genesis ah. uh, story. And I generally dislike River Song, as anybody who listens to this vaguely <laughs> regularly knows. Gwen, how about you? What did you make of it? I think very similar. Um, Generally, there were those good, really funny parts of it. But again, it didn't have that strong kind of drive in the plot. Um, And that was sadly lacking. Um, Again, because we all know the Doctor wasn't going to die. And this has happened before another series of Doctor Who. So most of us kind of uh, expect those kind of um, Mm. lead-ons, unfortunately. Again, um, I was really excited. I expected there to be more about Hitler and kind of the morality of... You know, everyone always says that the one thing they would do if they could travel in time is go back and, you know, kill Stalin or Hitler. And I was expecting more about that, but literally Hitler was left in the cupboard for yes. most of the episode. <laughs> and we don't quite know yeah, what happened to him. Do you get the impression that they'd sort of forgotten about Hitler? Yeah. By <laughs> yeah. Annabelle? Um, I'm pretty much in agreement, uh, to be honest. Where's uh, Caleb when you need him? Very entertaining, and I tend to be a bit more forgiving of episodes when they make me laugh. Um, so I, I perfectly enjoyed the episode. I did find it a bit over the top at times. I actually thought that the dealing of Hitler was quite good. I dreaded the idea that they were going to go back and deal with Hitler because usually they do it in such a ham-fisted way. So I thought the best response to dealing with Hitler is just to shut him in a cupboard for the first two minutes and then forget about him. Um, so yeah, I thought it was an okay episode, but it did have some very glaring plot holes, which I think tends to be something Stephen Moffat does a lot. He, he trips on with the story and hopes that you overlook the fact that a lot of it doesn't make sense. This would never have happened under Russell T. <laughs> that reminded me of one thing I liked about it as well. If you do have time travel, obviously the kind of bureaucracy people coming around to kill, well, main people after mm. their crimes in history makes sense. Conceptually, that's a good idea. Now, I don't think they 
well, not particularly well, but as an idea, I think that's one you could work with. We'll touch on that uh, a bit more as we get into the commentary. Uh, before we do start, though, we are all armed with our patented Moffat bingo cards, exclusive, <laughs> I will have you know, to Impossible Podcasts. Thanks to everyone uh, who helped out on the Facebook page with their suggestions. Uh, if you manage to complete a line at any point during the run of this series, then yeah, drop us a line, let us know. There is a fourth card that is not available on the blog at the moment. We had some trouble getting that published, uh, but we will get it up online as soon as possible. So uh, we will shout out as and when we get to cross things off. Without further ado, let's press on. If you are watching along at home, press play. Now. So here we go, a very brief recap of the previous half series. We're all notably silent so far. Yeah, <laughs> do you think we need this, needed this particularly, or do, does this count as Moffat bingo type? Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. no. Oh. Starting from the episode proper. <laughs> I'm scraping the it's barrel. Not new series <laughs> already. So I, we, we, they, they have touched briefly on the fact that these people are at war with the Doctor and he doesn't realise it mm-hmm. um, and in the recent Q&A for Let's Kill Hitler that uh, is also available as a podcast on our blog <laughs> go download it um, Moffat was talking about the fact that the Doctor doesn't realise the impact he's having on the universe which I have some trouble believing but then I'm a child of the McCoy era in which he was very much the sort of grand chess master plotting mm. in the universe yeah, the, the course of the universe without the universe knowing it I think as well is the fact it would have been better if they'd actually been a bit more worthy because they come across, you know, your evil eye patch woman. Who they, they are stock villains to yeah. some extent, aren't they? Whereas if they think they're fighting a just war against the Doctor, they should come across as a bit more sympathetic than that. Yes, yes, that's true. We're not supposed to like these people or sympathise with them at any point, are we? No. But perhaps that will change as we get more into the plot. Although they, they've already set the silence up as a sort of sinister mm. religious cult who just want to bring down the Doctor. Well, only as we learn this episode. Mm. Yes. Seriously? Um, so I, no, you've already said that you liked this I, I, that, that, that was good. I do, I do. I did, I, I, and beautifully okay. shot and it's nicely done and it sets the pace for the episode as a whole, doesn't it? Because it all happens, particularly the, for the first ten minutes. Everything is running at breakneck speed. Let's address the elephant in the room before we get any further. The Doctor's new coat. Yes. What do people think? Oh, is it new? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> actually, um, that failed. I, looked a lot like Firefly to me, actually, which is yeah, kind of surreal. No, yeah, it's a bit but... of a long... It's, yeah. And the whole River Song idea doesn't bears a somewhat more than a passing resemblance to uh, Firefly plotline. <clears throat> Does it? River, yeah, she's another weapon. She's taken oh, away as a child. Mean, yes. She's put forward. But yeah, it's, it's complete riffs yes. off Firefly mm. doing this. Uh, and then this is where it got worse. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically enough, I was expecting River Song to get out of the I car. I did as well. And then I was like, oh, it's not. And then I realised, oh, yes, but it was. But they do seem, yeah. to, they do seem, to, seem to play with that deliberately, don't they? Because we don't yeah. see her face immediately and she's uh, just standing in silhouette. 
Yeah, this part was very uncomfortable. Mm. And it still is. <laughs> now, I had heard rumours prior to the series, this half of the series starting again, that uh, been work, they, they were going to introduce a new companion mm. in this episode who would crop up later through the series and then join the Doctor full-time at the end. So uh, I was convinced by this point that this was her. No. <laughs> at the lesson... Riversong. <laughs> well, because we don't know she's Riversong at this point. I thought she was just some teenage tearaway like Ace, especially when she take, effectively takes the Doctor hostage. Can you imagine that? A companion who inverts that William Hartnell first episode and takes the Doctor hostage because she wants a joyride through space and time. That's, that would have been more interesting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think she does overdo it a bit with the whole. I think she would have been fine as a tearaway if she wasn't trying to do the whole sexy thing at the same time. There's an awful lot of hair tossing, which doesn't really yeah. work because their hair is braided to one side. Mm. That's something I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> he does if, do an if, awful lot if of he hair didn't, tossing. Come on, if he didn't notice the new coat, he's not going to notice <laughs> oh, the sexy it, head toss. <laughs> it, it does look, the coat does look a little bit like John Barrowman's. Um, it's a shorter mm. version. It is, it, it, it's yeah. kind of a streamlined version of World War II, man. Yeah. It's because we're going into World War II era. Oh, uh, we are. I did like this sequence. Even though it's fairly obvious that they've just shoehorned Mel's yeah. in as a friend, because she'd never been mentioned previously. No, it's very uncomfortable again. Mm. Oh, the Rory thing is very funny. I, I do, I say. do like young Rory. <laughs> Does mean he's younger than her? He looks a lot younger than her in this. She looked like Noel Edmonds in the seventies mm. without the beard. <laughs> oh, he does. That's right. Oh, that's quite scary. Or the, little, or, the, or the boy from The Shining. He's got the same hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, Anna and I were discussing this after the episode went out last night. Um, as we know, this is the... <laughs> now, regenerate, regenerated... Uh, oh, she looks terrible as a teenage schoolgirl. Really? That's, an, that's the worst wig I've seen on TV <laughs> for years. Karen Gillan looks better as a schoolgirl though. She must just carry it off. Oh, she still looks like a schoolgirl. That was no, part of her, uh, her career <laughs> choice yeah. earlier. <laughs> Do you think we're, we almost added to the Moffat bingo cards? Um, Karen Gillan dresses up in se- <laughs> sexy kissogram outfit for no readily apparent reason. Is that Stephen Moffat put it in? The yes. <laughs> Moffat wish fulfillment. <laughs> Now, despite me having said that the first ten minutes is all paced at a breakneck speed, this is a nice compromise because having had this action, having had that little mini cliffhanger before the credits, we cut away from all that. So it's keeping us in suspense and it's just allowing a bit of characterisation. But even here, the cutting from scene to scene and time to time is nice and fast and mm-hmm. brisk. The Rory Amy thing is quite nice. Yes. Um, yeah. She does... You know, Mel's feels like a bit of a third wheel, doesn't she? Yeah, he just seems to blame Doctor. Well. Blame Doctor. like, oh, shut up. Mm. <laughs> she's going to hit you with something. I was wondering, a little clunky. I was wondering why she was so obsessed with Amy's imaginary childhood friend. Which makes sense later on, I suppose. It does, yeah. but as for a child... Yeah. Hmm. 
points have to go to Arthur Darville's acting here. He is very good. <laughs> <laughs> Great face. And it's nice to see them being sweet together. Thanks to Chad. Which they haven't really been in previously. <laughs> this was quite nice. Yeah. Yes. Actually. Reference there to the reference to the state of grace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Swithin, you'll have to your your knowledge of classic who is far better than than ours. Which story is that from? Um, Temple Grace. I'm pretty sure that appears it's in the eighties sometime. Is it as late as that? I, I think so. There might be some early ones, but there's certainly some references. I think to I think it's certainly referenced in Castrovalva. I think in Attack of the Cybermen with Colin Baker. There might be an early ones I haven't seen, I remember it being, but they're certainly ones weapons don't work inside the TARDIS. Because yeah. is it Revenge of the Cybermen where, uh, where the Doctor takes the gun and destroys the Cyber Leader? Uh, oh no, no, it's the end of Earthshock, isn't it? And apparently the production office was bombarded with almost a dozen letters by, <laughs> by hardcore fans wanting to know how the Doctor could possibly fire a weapon inside the TARDIS if it's in a state of temporal growth. <laughs> so they just had to say, well, he's, perhaps he switched it off. Perhaps it broke. Perhaps we don't care. <laughs> Again, we seem to have, like his sci-fi references, clearly a, a, a Star Trek setup inside the, oh, yeah. uh, inside the machine. He's Star- getting a little mm. irritating. With this whole Star Wars of the last episode, you've got Star mm. Trek going here. It's like, Steve, just, just do your own thing. Well, it's, it's surprising in a lot of ways that it's taken for, for a show that's been running as long as Doctor Who and that does steal so freely from literature and movies mm. as a whole. Um, it's surprising that it hasn't taken uh, more from Star Wars and Star Trek earlier than this. And you really do think you'd have sorted out your little flashy wristband before you got to the bit with the killer. <laughs> Does this count? Is Monsters just alien tech following its programming? I think this oh, might, yes. Yeah, so if you're yeah, playing yeah. Moffat Bingo, yeah, least, yeah. we will allow this. It's, it's yes. just fairly, well, not benevolent in this case, but it's just a, a machine. It's programmed yeah, to do exactly function. what it's doing, yeah. I, I do that line as it is existence authorised. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, In- interesting welcome. Was- yes. <laughs> you were going to die. <laughs> now, SFX, in their review of uh, this episode, I think simply called it Mad Bonkers Brilliant. And it really is piling on one big idea after another, isn't it? Mm. Which I'm not sure whether I like that, because... You know, they're they're not drawing it out like a lot of previous episodes did. Like they had one idea, and that was their whole idea for the whole episode. Mm. Or whether some mm. of it is just a bit wasted. Um, yes. Especially <laughs> the things like the um, the childhood friend turning out to be River Song. Mm. Um, you get that whole thing that it's a big reveal within the first five minutes, which at least is better than it being a whole series thing like River Song. But then. <laughs> A bit bad that they didn't use her a bit more and uh, play on that a little more than they did. Hmm, that's true. Yeah, I would happily see a bit more of Mel's. I'm, I'm, well, I'm a little disappointed that because there's been an awful lot of conjecture 
following on from the first half of the season, um, and particularly Good Man Goes to War, where it's revealed that um, Melody can regenerate. People have been saying, well, that means that you can keep River Song in the series long-term and just have her regenerate every couple of mm. years like the Doctor and cast somebody younger or cast somebody different. Uh, and that could have been a very interesting premise, but we've already seen all of her regenerations, of her regenerations yeah, yeah. there. So. Which yeah. I was quite thankful for. Mm. Um, <laughs> to be fair. But is, it, is, it re, is it River Song as a character or Alex Kingston's interpretation of River Song that you take exception to? It's, it's the character of River Song. I mean, Alex Kingston's been perfectly passable and, re, and good. I, I haven't seen him that much. But she's, well, she's had a, a character mm. rather than kind of like a half D one line kind of. She was a fantasy embodiment of Stephen Moffat's mind. <laughs> He's got a weird fantasy. <laughs> no. Karen Gillan, fair enough. <laughs> that, that, I'm, no. I'm assuming your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. Not often. <laughs> um. I was a little surprised that we have such a build-up to Hitler's reveal here. Because they do seem to be teasing him rather unnecessarily, don't they? I think it's quite good, because we all know who it is. I don't think mm. there's any question of that, but mm. it definitely builds the tension. Yeah. To... Now, this bit I didn't understand. Having infiltrated the, oh, the Third yeah. Reich, having you know, zapped this other Nazi and taken his appearance and worked <laughs> their way into Hitler's office, they start torturing him, and then the ensign at the front of the bridge goes, oh, hang on. It's 1938. It's 1938. We're in the wrong year. <laughs> you didn't think to check this before you started? Yeah, that was kind of unbelievable. I didn't, though, notice that the first time I read, but yes. <laughs> it's really just an excuse to deliver a, a robot full of miniature people into the story, isn't it? That's true. But why this couldn't have taken place in 1945? I was going to ask, is there a particular reason for this to be happening now? Is this... Did he say something about uh, going back into their... the kind of criminal's past and at a certain point and then giving them hell? But I can't. But, but it was supposed just, to be at the end. Of yes, their, at the end, end of their, their lives, just before yeah. they're going to die normally. Like the Ray Bradbury story, A Sound of Thunder, where travel time travellers go hunting dinosaurs, but they only hunt a dinosaur that was about to die of natural causes anyway, so that they don't mm-hmm. disrupt the time. Okay, I'm not sure if that's a valid reference to that. Probably not. This <laughs> are you giving them too much credit? Oh, uh, possibly. <laughs> With the Hitler thing. I have a problem with this. Mm-hmm. Um, if this had been... He's basically treating Hitler like he's a Dalek, which I think is actually quite dangerous. Any other character in history, the Doctor would essentially try to attempt him to not do what he's going to do. But he doesn't. He right. treats him as if he's a fixed point and basically like he treats a Dalek. Oh, I see. As if, he, as if Hitler can't change he what can't he's change, going to do. Can't change. Which... One, he caricatures Hitler and actually makes him, in a sense, less evil... Because he had to do it. He's a caricature. He's not human. He's, he's not human. human. Yeah. And, he cl- and he clearly was. And, and oh, he... we missed Rory punching Hitler there. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I had to go. give that a mention. If only for Hitler. Olivia's sake. Yes. <laughs> Hello, Olivia. <laughs> it is true, but it, it's a general treatment that he seems to get in lots of popular culture, is that he's a bogeyman figure. Mm. Which, 
I, I, I dislike in the extreme. I think it's very dangerous because anyone who does end up being like him in the future, obviously won't recognise him because he's not like what we see <laughs> on TV. Now, no, obviously, this true. isn't the main premise of it, but in the Doctor's character, the Doctor Christopher Eccleston's character would have tried to reason with him. Yes, yes, quite possibly. This is but, kind of why I like that they shot him in a cupboard because I, I wasn't really <laughs> expecting them to do yes. anything good with that story. That, that, things that, they could. That, that, that's all of Hitler's yeah. scenes over and done with now, isn't it? That's the last we see of the Führer. I, so. I have a feeling he may be returning later in this series because we do know Winston is showing up again. Oh, that's true. Yes, Churchill so, is. I wonder if that's happening in the series later. They're going to give him lightsabers. They're going to give him pterodactyls and his own personal woolly mammoth because <laughs> he's. Winston Churchill from an alternative past uh, when yeah. dinosaurs didn't go extinct. Oh. oh, I missed improbable method of contacting the Doctor oh. in Simon's face. Yes. What did they use? What was it? Oh, the, the oh. crop circle to contact the Doctor. Oh, crop circle. How did we miss that? Oh, they were too busy talking. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was too the trouble with this podcasting business. We can't watch the screen and the microphone <laughs> and, and the cars at the same time. <laughs> that means they're going to win and we're going to lose <laughs> <laughs> this game. Quite possibly. Uh, I can't think ah here it is well does it count it says the problem of contacting the Doctor across time and space yes oh, well, but in the same way that the Doctor was trying to contact Amy and Rory at the start of the first half of the series by putting himself in Laurel yeah, and Hardy films and enough. things like that um, and he had the next day's newspaper if you look which because it already had the uh, extra stripe added by Mel's in it is now dying. Yeah. Rather so, oddly, but shot by Hitler. Yeah. And again, this seems to be slightly odd. There's a juxtaposition of knockabout comedy with this seemingly very serious yeah. moment, which mm. just doesn't doesn't mesh very well at all. Well, again, it, 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 I, I think I was fine with it because he was very deliberately trying to pile on one ingredient and shock mm-hmm. and twist after another. And if you are going to do that, then you have to be slightly larger than life and you have to go all out and be yeah. slightly ridiculous otherwise it will just look like a mess you have you basically have to inject enough kutzbar into it to be able to carry it otherwise it's all going to collapse mm. under its own weight but it was just a just a position that you just kind of move very abruptly and I was like mm. Mm. To be honest, I've stopped taking anyone dying in Doctor Who seriously. Yeah, it, it, it's no longer it's, it's, stressful. No, it should be. <laughs> it loses all meaning. So, yeah, rather than take it as an emotional thing, then it's probably better just to disparage them. And go, mm. Are they coming back? Yes, they are. Never mind. Almost certainly. <laughs> hmm. They'd just be a bit too knowing. Oh, and she's back. And she's back. That's rather interesting. Yeah. Excuse me. She actually talks about uh, focusing on a dress size. I don't know if that's really important, but the idea that you can actually shape what your next regeneration is going to be is quite interesting yes. as well. Well, she gets, seems to get some sort of influence over this. Yeah, that? I did find it? this a little excessively stereotypically girly. I was thinking this is the reason why the Doctor should never be female because the regeneration sequence is going to last like a series of trying on different dresses. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of excessively uh, yeah. stereotypically girly well, there. That, that, that's... <laughs> but seeing this, you see my points. Yeah. I liked no. Joanna Lumley's version in the uh, comic relief. Yes, but that was also written by Moffat. <laughs> so you can do the two ends of the the spectrum yeah but that was a throwaway joke this is, this is part of a character yeah. which is odd 
Yeah. Yeah. Olivia, if you're listening to this, you'll have to email us or leave a comment and let us know. What <laughs> <laughs> email us? Because uh, Olivia, for those of you who've listened to the podcast uh, this year, is not the biggest fan of uh, River Song either. Like, perhaps not for the same reasons as Swithin. No, probably for entirely opposite reasons <laughs> to why I hate her. Yeah. I'm sure she'd make a good uh, counterpoint to Wonder Woman and uh, the dissertation topic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, and by this point, Hitler's been forgotten by us and the characters within the drama. Right? Yeah, they were sitting on his desk. Mm. There was no irony there. <laughs> Murray Gold doing his comedy music. <laughs> there have been far fewer complaints about Murray Gold's score since Moffat took over as a whole. It seems to have been becoming less intrusive, I think. People are getting used to it. Mm. I predict. Stockholm Syndrome. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. I, do, I, do, I get. I, I wonder how much sway the um, showrunner has over the score because mm. it's been used to serve the drama rather than to try and add an extra layer of drama on top of what's already happening on screen. I did kind of like this bit—the whole switching guns thing. Yeah. yeah. This was very similar to his more Sherlock style. Moments. Um, I know you know that I know this thing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's like that like, bit. Of, it's like, like the Moriarty to his show. It's like the bit from Bill and Ted as well, isn't it? Well, <laughs> what's it's, it's just, so what's it, I didn't really. Bananas get are good if you're yeah, more fat bingoing. Bananas count? are good. Oh. Yes. Does he say bananas are good? He doesn't say bananas are good, but they're better than guns. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I liked that little, yeah, you know, rapier twirl with the sonic screwdriver. That worked fairly well. So was the idea with that that while she was regenerating he moved everything or did he go back in time to change it? He, he was while, anticipated her. Yeah, it was while she was regenerating. Oh. Right. I was unclear on that as to whether yeah. it was actually a Bill and Ted bogus journey. No, no, it was... Uh, um, it was while she was... Oh, that would have been good. So the idea is that <laughs> he's, he's processing all of this so quickly that he's one step ahead. Because, um, of course, you remember back way back in the 11th hour, um, Matt Smith's first episode, mm-hmm. we had that scene where he walks out onto the green um, and he takes everything in, in one sweep, oh, and yeah. then replays all of the details in that almost stop-motion yeah. sequence in his mind, which was never used again, no, really. I it was an interesting that. idea. I really good. would have liked to have seen that developed, perhaps, in a few more directions. I, I think this is the successor to that hmm. because the idea is that he's in a split second been able to judge what's happened what's happening and reacted to it all so we meet a character who knows the doctor's future yeah I think point. we can check mm. that out off first the justice people oh the justice people know the future yeah no, that's true I was thinking this is obviously a reverse they also say something about time can be rewritten but not this time uh, oh the next point Yes. So that's there's two on there. One that says time can be rewritten, and then one that says mm. time can be rewritten, but not this time. Oh. I poison lipstick. I have a problem with poison lipstick. Yeah. Surely, if you're going to put lipstick on, you're going to ingest some of it yourself. <laughs> How does that work? Good point. I haven't. <laughs> that's been used in so many different series as yes. well. Oh, okay, that's turned and, up in Firefly. Firefly as well. <laughs> But, but yeah, there is there is a precedent for this within Doctor Who because we've seen River use drugged lipstick on people, people in the past. So I'm, I'm just willing because to there's a precedent for it doesn't mean it makes any more sense. No. Well, no, but <laughs> in an episode in which 
you know, Nazi cleaners are actually robots full of tiny people. <laughs> then it's, it's the least of our worries, really. There's kind of a logic to that, at least, whereas... But I don't know. I don't have tiny computer written. Oh, no, well, the, the, the bingo yeah. cards are different. There are four ah, different variations. I didn't have the banana one, which was... Oh, I'm doing really badly. These aren't in a line at all. <laughs> I've got two so far on the same line. More all in different ones. <laughs> <laughs> Not even diagonal. Yeah. Is that me? Did that remind me of Ray Fiennes from Schindler's List? He's, he's like a Nazi. Yeah, he's quite a cool-looking Nazi. He, he is. Yeah. He just wants an eye patch, really. Over <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, for an eye patch. He would. Nah. Now this bit, I know that. How to distract a troop of Nazi guards? <laughs> <laughs> Flashing your boots. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, more hair tossing. It's like oh, a yes. shampoo advert. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was Ross T. Davis in The Christmas Invasion, our first regeneration of the new series, that established the new fact that regeneration is an ongoing process that continues at, all, at a molecular level for mm. an hour or so after the initial change. What do we think about that? Because they seem to be using it that's the second... Second Nazi. Second Nazi. We should just keep <laughs> a count of enemies Rory punches out. <laughs> oh, this is a wonderful part. If you've punched Hitler... like that line. It's that kind of day. <laughs> if you've punched Hitler in the face, then really you can it's punch any Nazi that. in the face, can't you? <laughs> oh, the idea of... It has a logic to it. Um, the whole extra kind of power, the regeneration. Hmm. But, although I think it sat better in the Christmas special... Yes. Than it does in an ostensibly it's, more serious story. Yeah, a function creep seems to be, you know, occurring, doesn't it? It's this idea that, all right, Christmas. Well, I suppose in the Christmas invasion, Tennant lost his hand and grew another one because he was still the regeneration he process did. was still going. Yeah. On. So in that case, I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine that yes, you can get shot by a troop of Nazi stormtroopers and. Now, what, oh, I quite like this little reference to the past companions. Yeah. It's just a shame that they used such obvious publicity photos <laughs> for them. <laughs> oh, really? I, I didn't get the point of any of this. No. The whole voice interface thing becoming sympathetic and why and... Why did he want what to What fish and custard has to do with it? Uh, well, I think it's the idea he's looking for inspiration from young Amelia... From a nameless computer program? It just, yeah. Yes, but I think the idea is that there is supposed to be a spark of the real Amelia. Because the mm. voice interface is part of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And the TARDIS, it. as we know, is <laughs> sentient and is living and is conscious on a certain level. And maybe it has absorbed something, or at least noted something, of Amy's... I'm making excuses for it when I shouldn't really be having to. I know. <laughs> yeah. But I'm willing to go with it to a certain extent. This may be setting something up for later as well. We don't know. Well, I wonder if there's a deleted scene lying somewhere on a cutting room floor. Because nothing, <laughs> as, as Anna said, nothing came of this for later on in the episode. Yeah. Why did the doctor say, give, did he say, give me guilt? 
or something when he was sat down dying. Oh, no, he's no, saying, don't no. Don't give me guilt. Yeah. Don't. Oh, yeah. sorry. All of the previous companions were inspiring guilt in him. Yeah. Oh, maybe that was the point. Mm. It's like, oh, I've realised how terrible I've been saving the world. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure so you should have felt loathing. quite so guilty about Rose. It's, well, I left you with your own David Tennant <laughs> boy toy. <laughs> so sad in her. an alternative universe where you're fabulously wealthy and powerful. <laughs> Hmm. Is it because you didn't have the big gun? Perhaps. <laughs> and I did think there was one other thing of this. It's saying you have 30, was it 32 minutes to live? Yeah. For a good two minutes. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> say 31 minutes. Count down. Just count, 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 count. All, all you're going to do is increase, increase the tension. tension. <laughs> you know. Oh, well. But it is nice to see young Amelia. Even though she's looking less young than she was a year ago. <laughs> Can I hope uh, Karen Gillan's got some more younger cousins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this poor girl yeah, in real life is thinking, oh no, I'd better grow up to look like Karen Gillan, otherwise... <laughs> All is I, lost. Yeah. <laughs> we never know, she should have, could have a career as a Karen Gillan look-alike. <laughs> <laughs> Always a kissogram in your future. Uh, and it's Cardiff's Temple of Peace, Central Hall, once again. We should have put that on. Well, that's not really a Moffatism, is it? We could have put that on If you're keeping track of uh, the Temple of Peace's appearances. (laughs) Where where we shot Peter's answers to our promo video. Yes, on on the the steps outside it. Uh, but it was the uh, Platform One space station in the end of the world, well, the second ever episode of New Who. It was Karen. I did see Karen Gillan there uh, when they were filming the fires of Pompeii because it was the hall of the oh, yeah. Sisterhood. That's right. In the Pompeii episode, it was the Silurian Central Hall last season. Must have been was... very fun to be there dressed up like a Nazi. <laughs> Must have been. <laughs> Ah, someone makes their duplicate self. Yes. <laughs> Creepy Karen Gillan robot lookalike. I was expecting to do like an Exorcist 360 head turn. Oh, <laughs> you could, <laughs> they really missed a trick with that, didn't they? I actually I saw the doll from the, the original doll in the Exorcist they used for it because the <laughs> Museum of the Moving Image in uh, New York. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it's really good. Oh, yeah, if you're in New York, it's go. It's really good. Oh, the, the Museum of the Moving Image in London shut down a couple of years ago. Oh, did it? Yeah. I didn't know. Tremendous show. I, I went in the early 90s when they had a Doctor Who exhibition hmm. called Behind the Sofa, which was fantastic. Nice. It took about two floors, I think. Um, I got that. Well, I've got that top right, but yours will be different. No. Yep. Is there someone meets their past, future? Yes, I've got two. Yes, you've got two and two. (laughs) Here we go. I've got three on a single row now. I'm I'm doing quite well. I've got three on one row and two on another. I I kept hoping that the tentacles would be more tentacly. They just seem to sort of dangle. It's like a jellyfish, really, isn't it? It's like a mechanical mood. Oh, never good. I I was reading a bit too much into it and thinking it was a bit like the. Sphere from uh, New Hope in Star Wars, which administers torture to. Yes. Was it a leader of the old um, somebody? Yes. Or administers torture to uh, Princess Leia? Yes, it is Princess Leia. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the leader of the older ends. I hope we meet these guys again because they were quite interesting in as much as they were allowed to do. 
Yeah, they're almost the team. Yeah, they they do. Moffat does establish, even though it's, it's done in quite broad strokes, he does establish a nice background and quite a nice structure and a context for them to work inside. Well, it's it's a moral problem as well, which we seem to return to Doctor Who mm. quite frequently. Yes. No, I do hope we get to see. Uh, I wonder if they're part of the same time agency that uh, Jack, oh. Captain Jack, was part of. Because of course it was Moffat who first wrote for Jack Harkness. Yes. And he seemed to have a far more concrete view of what the time agency was than any of the subsequent writers. You do we'll see, see River Song in that well, he's the 57th, second century, and he's supposed to be in the 51st. That's true. So yeah. that does link into that a little. Mm. Um. No. Has the Doctor just adopted a new form of headgear? Mm, not really new, because we saw him wear this at Amy's wedding. Oh, right. At the end of Series 1. The top hat and tail. The, um, the Sonic cane is new. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. New, new uses. Sonic Screwdriver. Uh, no, 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 I'm not sure that counts. That's just a new Disney. Sonic Screwdriver. Oh, <laughs> new adaptation. Yeah. That's not really a new use for it. When we say a new use, I think we should, I should, we should have said new function. Right. Yeah. So instead of just unlocking doors or scrambling machinery, it's oh, now it's a cane. Well, yes, <laughs> the Sonic cane presumably was always a cane. If Moffat really wanted to throw everything in the kitchen sink at this episode, he should have done a musical number with the, do- with the doctor on the side of the TARDIS to start tap dancing with his cane. Well, he, he, is, I, he has threatened numerous times in the last couple of years to do a 3D episode. No. Yeah, I know. He said he'd really, really like to do a 3D episode. Uh, Is it going to be as bad so... as the 3D trailer they did? Oh, the 3D trailer was dreadful. Yes. Well, that was almost a dance move there. Yeah, well, <laughs> so this was that. funny. This was funny, and especially the whole line about his, yeah, his left leg taking a power nap. <laughs> I liked that. And Matt, this, Matt Smith is very good. Yeah, yeah, he does have a good turn in scarecrow like acrobatics. Yes, <laughs> it's almost like a John Cleese um, movement to him. Yes, his yeah. long limbs. limbs. Yeah. Mm, I think Moffat has said that he 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 runs like a giraffe that doesn't know where its knees are <laughs> yeah, so, so they could do they could do a, a musical episode they could do a 3D episode if they really, if they wanted a really cheap gimmick given the uh, cutbacks that the BBC is facing I think they should just do an episode where they deliver every single line in a comedy French accent for <laughs> <laughs> no easily discernible reason <laughs> Yes, but that yeah. was good. They that, did. Was, that, that was, 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 was Gorta's wife. Mm. Yeah. Well, that was half of all the time. Well, yeah, and of course you have, I was thinking, of the edge of destruction and inside the spaceship. That was interesting rather than good, I think. The first <laughs> episode was good. The, second, the, the, the resolution was bad. Or oh, a shout-out to Campaign, which is brilliant, by um, Jim Mortimer, ah, which yeah. is entirely set on the TARDIS. Hmm. Uh, it's, someone described it as Edge of Destruction meets David, or David Lynch directs the Edge of Destruction. Ah, mm. right. No, that would be worth seeing. It would. No, I think the only real bottle show that they've done in New Who was way back in series one with um, Boomtown, Boom yeah. which was again set half of it in the uh, TARDIS console room. So, and they managed to make that work reasonably well. No, oh no, that was Darkness in Manhattan. Uh, uh, it was one with um, Margaret Slovene, the second Slovene episode of well, series one. Second in the city, there's a light cool. Dalek sex, Dalek sex in the city. Yeah. <laughs> Dalek sex in the city is an entirely <laughs> different episode. Oh, the less said about that, the better. 
So, you know, I, I like all these characters and they yeah. seem like good mm. actors. So I'm hoping they come back. So. Very sympathetic, actually. Yeah. Um, it makes sense, you know, privileges for family members to access records. Mm. The kind of the logical consistency of some of their archiving systems seems to make some sense. Yes. But by the end of the episode, it is fairly clear that they are there just to deliver some foreknowledge for the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, perhaps this is a good time, while they're just toing and froing about this sort of stuff, uh, to address the fact that Let's Kill Hitler, as a title, is a bit of a cheat. I know we've touched on it briefly. It's attention-grabbing. It is. Mm. But the treatment of Hitler as a comedy character was ad- addressed by Moffat at the Q&A session at the preview screening mm-hmm. uh, that Caleb went to. Um, and he said that uh, the biggest insult you could deliver to Hitler would be to keep treating him as a comedy character. And he referenced Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. But I think he was wrong in that, because he's not a comedy character within that. He is still very much Hitler. It's just a funny moment between Hitler and and Indiana Jones because Indiana Jones actually physically hands him the item that Hitler and the Nazis have been fighting and killing people for and Hitler just signs it and hands it back unwittingly (laughs) Um, so yeah I'm not sure that quite works yeah. yeah but the man himself isn't in fact he's almost sympathetic in this episode, because he's just a man who's sitting at his desk, <laughs> just came somebody came up and started torturing him. And then a box the smashed through his office window. And he doesn't know what's going on, and he's a bit hapless, and he gets locked in the cupboard. And punched by Rory and then locked in a cupboard. Mm. <laughs> Are they trying to sex up Rory in this series? It really looks that way, quite mm. honest. I was wondering mm. that with his clothing and stuff as well, because they've tried to emphasise, I guess... I don't know, where his figure is yeah. kind of strange. I think it's good that they're giving him more to do rather than mope around after Amy, but then making him punch people out, it's just a bit of an obvious way yes. to make him yeah. a bit more interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm far more in favour of the fact that... Oh, yeah. Hmm. The antibodies seem to be a bit slow on the uptake here. Well, they have to make their little snappy comments... <laughs> but they power everything down it doesn't actually seem to deactivate the antibodies at all so why are they powering down and also on a morality edge they're kind of killed as perfectly innocent they cause the death of a perfectly innocent cast member what the the woman who's in the, in the, in the ship oh I think she gets out does she because yeah I think everyone seem, everyone has been down no we don't actually see anybody no 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 die. because she's been attacked she's been like clobbered with the the, the the um, the antibodies have got around the neck, and he cuts away. Well, that's true. Mm. They assume she dies. Yeah, well, I, I assume that she got beamed up in the. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of did, but my, my wife actually pointed it out to me. And I was like, ah. Yes, because we don't actually see her beamed out, do we? But we don't see no. her die, so it's open to interpretation. I don't understand why at this point Amy can't just reverse whatever she did to her wristband. Yeah, yeah. she still has. And why does she, she do her own wristband? Is she can? <laughs> is she can sonic? Yeah, her wristband red, she can sonic it green again. Presumably the antibodies are also could be affected by the sonic screwdriver, so... Yes, <laughs> start shooting down antibodies. Exactly. Hmm. That's what the sonic screwdriver is now, just yeah. a robot death ray. Yeah. <laughs> I'll cry from the door handle. <laughs> 
But again, this, again, a little cut. They could do with being a bit more subtle. I think we kind of get that this is where River Song is becoming a bit more sympathetic without her having to tell us all yes. every couple of minutes. <laughs> she seems less psychopathic, however. Mm, that's true. I do like the idea. I hope they build on it. I do like the idea that she is borderline psychopathic and she could save his life or kill him from yes. one moment no, to the next. She seems to undergo. It's 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 a bit of a problem. It's normally it's a problem in the opposite direction when it comes to Hollywood villains, when they're pretending to be good until the great reveal mm-hmm. in the final act, and we find out that oh, actually they were the criminal mastermind all along. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. undergo a complete personality change and usually put on a pair of leather trousers at that point. <laughs> as well. But she seems to be having the opposite problem. She's the psychopath who wants to kill the doctor, and as soon as she realizes that he's nice, she becomes a bit less of a psychopath. No, she's just a, she just becomes a, a psychopath who likes the doctor instead of one who wants to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a psychopath who's on his side, which would fit an awful lot more in that you know she grew up being a, one at the same time wanting to kill the doctor and completely obsessed with him. Yes, so the fact that she's just slightly unhinged at the same time <laughs> would tie into that. And there doesn't seem to be any conflict with the fact that. She apparently loves her parents, but her parents are the Doctor's best friends. Yep. So they're not playing on that. There's also a question of how rapidly River or Melody ages. Because she was a child. We, we saw in the flashbacks mm-hmm. earlier in this episode, she's a child at school, mm-hmm. as Mel's, with Amy and Rory. And is growing up at the same rate mm-hmm. as they are. But she regenerated from her previous form back in the late 1960s mm-hmm. uh, she told us that was the last time she had regenerated so and you're wondering assume, when the silence yeah. got hold of her as well yes. because they can't have brainwashed her in that first five years because the little girl that was originally before she regenerated into um, what's her name Mel's Mel's yeah um, the girl in the spacesuit. Yeah, didn't seem in hostile to the Doctor at all, which means the silence must have been training her up after that point, surely. Well, well I think the idea, she, she must did, have she been did. before, because the whole, presumably the ending is that River Song kills the Doctor as a child in the astronaut suit, and that sets up to fake the death, essentially, of the Doctor for the silence. That's, I assume, where it's going. We assume that it's River or Young Melody in the spacesuit. Yeah. right. Out of the lake, though. Mm. It could be somebody else. It, it's been pretty obvious so far. Never see who's going to change its tune anytime soon. <laughs> I think there could be a twist coming before we get to that point. But uh, but, no, but no, if if the young blonde girl who escaped from the space mm. and regenerated in the alley in New York was... We don't know what age she regenerated. Oh, mm. no, she must have been fairly young. Because uh, we saw Mel's as a young girl. Because she was ten... About ten years old, wasn't she, when she started to regenerate in the alley? Mm-hmm. So let's assume that she regenerated into Mel's at around the same age, about ten. Well, no, she said she was a toddler in New York. Oh, and a toddler in New York. Oh, right, yeah. okay, but she retained the memories. Oh, interesting. But even so, a toddler in New York in 1969 <laughs> is not going to be ten years old no. at school with Amy and Rory no. in Ledworth in the 80s. Which was kept behind. Maybe. Maybe, about she, maybe, 10 years. maybe. Maybe the silence caught up with her again and transported her forward in time. I don't know. But she said that she was the one who sought out Amy and Rory. Yep. Mm-hmm. Double, double points. Yeah, <laughs> River Song 
meets her duplicate self. Yeah. Wow. If they powered down, how can that robot? How do, how do they tessellate? Yeah. yeah. If that's oh. the proper term, tessellate. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'm also dubious as the fact that shouldn't Amy and Rory still be miniaturized? Yeah, that was very odd. That the oh. card is actually appearing in the miniature. Well, presumably, well, the, the TARDIS itself is dimensionally transcendental. Well, because the TARDIS in other words, magic. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the TARDIS can play with dimensions. We know that it can, but there's never, never. It's certainly a precedent if it can change the size of people. Mm. Because the whole point is not miniaturization when you go into the TARDIS. It's not miniaturization at all. It's the fact that it's just bigger. Yes, but the TARDIS miniaturized itself to get inside the robot. So that's it, did. it could then that was re- resize itself on its way. Out. River's first time operating the TARDIS. That's quite and a doing coup. something very complicated. <laughs> yes. Well, she's been trained, so sorry. She, it might be an auto okay. thing, you know, like like River from Firefly. <laughs> so this whole thing, mm. this is like this is just from the X Men. How it is? This is from the Doctor Who TV movie. <laughs> yeah. This is. I remember the the, the uproar amongst fans. Oh, it's horrific. Um, at the ending of the Doctor Who TV movie, with oh. the, the TARDIS happy ending circuit kicks in and there's some glowy lights and some choral music and everyone who's died comes back to life. But you've got that whole thing where, um, what's her name, Rogue rescues Wolverine. Yes. Or Wolverine mm. rescues Rogue. That's the one. Mm. Is this the first X-Men movie? Yeah. And essentially nearly kills himself in the process. Mm. Um, we were going to hope that she's taken off the poison lipstick by this point. Yeah, that was ah, yes, kind of so that would be... Sort of self-defeating, wouldn't it? <laughs> Lipstick of life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But yeah, a bit cheesy. Oh, she used up all her generations, regenerations, in order to save the Doctor's life. I still don't understand that completely, I have mm. to say. Again, a bit of a cheat, I think. It is, it's it, a bit it really cheap. a cheating, yeah. It seems a little bit unnecessary, because... The, the scene in, where, in which she dies way back in Tenant's era in Silence in the Library, we'd already been told that that form of death, plug, plugging yourself into that computer um, and using your own brain as a buffer for its memory, um, the Doctor wouldn't be able to survive it because he wouldn't be able to regenerate mm-hmm. through it anyway. Right. So, hmm, we'll see. Uh, I suppose they're maybe making it a bit more obvious if that's your card. One point on the silence. We learn mm. more about them in one of the dialogue sequences. Yes. Because they aren't actually a species. They're a religion. They're yeah. a religion. And if I remember rightly, the silence is actually the answer to the, the most fundamental question of the universe. The first, which, first question. Oh, the first question. Yeah. The first. Okay. Which is Where are my no. keys? <laughs> <laughs> How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck wood? My, my, my guess is it's why. Yeah. And then the answer is silence. Okay. So they know the answer, but they don't know the question. Mm. Well, it, yes. Seems so, yeah. yeah. So that... Hitchhiker's Guide, but in a non comical form. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I, I think so. Or, or, you know, Moffat could be using it as an attack. It's a religious order on generally Eastern religion, Buddhism, for example. Oh, that yes. being nothingness. Mm. You have the headless monks. Clear, Anglicans. Well, clearly there's more of a, a, a Christianity reference with that anyway, but still with the whole monk aspect of the Buddhist, because the whole point of the koans, like the sound of one hand clapping, is the fact that there is nothing. Mm, oh, I see. Yes, yes, that's um, a good point. Well, who, who wrote that 
short science fiction story where there's a uh, a Buddhist sect have set up a, an, an observatory in the Himalayas, but they filled it with supercomputers. Um, and the idea is that the supercomputers are trying to work out the meaning of life, and as soon as they answer the question of life, the universe will cease to exist. <laughs> so, nice. And so they, they plug it in, and the story is just this man delivering this extra server, <laughs> which, which they plug in, or this extra component, uh, which will increase the capacity. Oh, we're on to the next one. Oh, we're on already, sorry, yeah, I've talked that. right through the end of the episode. <laughs> but he pl- they plug it in, and the, the computer answers the question, and all the stars start winking out. And is that chap from Ashes to Ashes? Yeah, I'm looking forward to him being in it. Mm. <laughs> I did love Ashes to Ashes. I thought it was the best series ending I yes. have ever known. That's Mark Gatiss's episode next week. Mm. Oh, uh, his return to writing. His first return to writing since oh, uh, Tenants. Last was it first series, which was series two, three? No, it was the the Idiot's Lantern was yeah. his last one. That's true. I'm thinking that we're going to get a few more tropes, including the child most likely young girl befriends the Doctor. <laughs> yes, I think we might want to. If we'd had TARDIS corridors, I would have been able to shout bingo. Um, That's so important. Well, going back to the Moffat bingo, in terms of Scottish agenda. Um, oh, yeah, Scottish agenda was in there. That's true. Definitely. I did make some reference to <laughs> her being Scottish. <laughs> and Riversong makes vague references to her past as well. Oh, she does about the regeneration. We were talking while that one happened, I think. That's true. Only we had a vague Mm. reference to Amy and Rory's sex life. Did we? No, I don't think so. Oh, no, I I didn't think we did. I'd be quite close then. I've got three in a row, and two more. I've got one, two, three, four. I've got three in a row. I've got seven in total. I've got three. I've got seven in total. If you do think that you can complete a whole row of five at some point during this series, let us know. All I need to get is William Hartnell reference and Rory dies then get better, both of which, judging by past episodes, are very oh, they'll, likely they'll to be crop up. Plenty of those. <laughs> I, I need a classic monster to get a controversial redesign. And like a I, I think the most controversial they can be now, because they've done so many rubbish redesigns of classic monsters, is just to bring back the original design. <laughs> I'd be good if you did that for the Cybermen. Those mushroom monsters from The Chase, that William Hartnell series. The mechanoids? No, no, no. Oh, oh, no. The mechanoids would be good as well. I used to like the voice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. There's a reason Sorry. why the, the mechanoids never caught no, up. Because no. <laughs> I, I can't impersonate their voice. Giant ping pong balls with silly voices. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so what, did, what did everyone think on a second viewing? Pretty much the same as the first viewing, yeah. to be honest. Um, the the whole. Um, answers, not answers, and waiting for something to crop up in a later episode is starting to get a bit wearing. Yeah, we did get some revelations, which was good. And I, th- I think had we not had those after that mid-series mm. break, it would have been seriously annoying. But it's starting to feel like cheap conjuring tricks. It's like, oh, the ball disappears here, and it's going to turn up over there in five minutes' time. And he keeps on doing that as kind of throwaway twists and mm. things that make no sense in this episode but you're just hoping that they're going to turn up later and actually explain what yeah. on earth he meant by them. Yeah, I think regeneration may be one of those themes that is continuing and the exploration of what regeneration is and mm-hmm. what it does. At least that seemed to be one of the sub-themes of this, I think. <laughs> the worst of themes? Among, among all the other ones. 
I think we should have had a little coder at the end of just sort of Hitler still in the cupboard. Exactly. Locked <laughs> on the door waiting for somebody to come Let out. Me out. <laughs> but there we are. But um, no, it, it's, yeah, I, I could have done with a little less running around chased by robot jellyfish. More Hitler. Uh, um, yeah, maybe a little bit more Hitler. I, I would have liked it if Hitler had been A, funnier, or <laughs> B, just more interesting. I was surprised at how much of a non-entity he was, really. A musical scene with Hitler would be fun. Get Gay Gibbs dancing on his table. <laughs> Springtime <laughs> for Hitler. Yeah, it'd be mean. This reminds me of Cabaret Tomorrow Belongs to Me, which is hilarious. In, in the beer garden. Cool. Anyway, uh... well, I, I think that just about wraps us up, guys. So, uh, thank you very much. It just remains for me to thank once again uh, Swithin Dobson, Gwen Williams, Annabelle, and uh, me, PG Bell. And thank you for listening as well. As always, if you have any comments, insights, if you want to disagree with everything we've said, leave us a comment on the blog. And that includes Caleb. And that includes Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> And if you do get a line, don't forget to yell bingo on our Facebook page. Absolutely, and you yes. get a prize, or well, not a prize, just claps. Kudos, yes, absolutely. Thanks again, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening!